All right, welcome to Inside the Podcast. Today's special guest is Chris Hopkins, the voice of Inside the Podcast, except for one episode where I had to stand in for him because he was busy. He's a busy man. He's a uh, associate pastor at First Christian Church of the Beaches, and he's a youth pastor, and uh, he pretty much pastors all kinds of stuff. Uh, so he's a very busy guy, and we're fortunate to have him to do the Inside the Podcast uh, today. But welcome, Chris, to Inside the Podcast. Thank you, sir. It's my uh, honor and privilege to be here. And uh, should we call you Pastor Chris? Do people call you PC? What, what do most folks call you? They call me PC. It's sort of the opposite of what they call you. You're CP. CP, and I'm yeah. PC. <laughs> We're kind of in the twilight zone. We here. are. Yeah, mirror images of each other. It's you, pretty awesome. Yeah, you've got the beard going, and I'm, you know, for the most part, clean shaven. But you look good with a beard. Well, oh, thank so, you, sir. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen you without a beard. No, 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 I haven't uh, shaved it off in uh, quite a while. No. So, uh, so funny story. Um, we started, Mindy and I, Coach McCord and I, started going to FCC Beaches. Uh, it's in Neptune Beach. It's right on the ocean. It's one of the greatest pieces of property available at the beach or unavailable at the beach. <laughs> and uh, But it's a beautiful place. You actually, like, I, you stand and you sing hymns and you sing songs and you're looking out at the water, uh, a very surreal place. And uh, when Mindy and I first started attending services, it was because some of our players had gone for Easter service and you had sent an email or sent a note or something to us that said, hey, we had some of your players uh, were at church. And so we started coming to church. That's how we first started. Uh, But tell us about your journey into ministry. How did you get involved with First Christian Church of the Beaches and your your journey to get to where you are today. Ooh, well, I was a bad boy back in the day, and uh, I uh, I started driving the church van for my wife. My wife was in children's ministry, so I started driving the van for her and uh, would help her um, when she worked with the teens doing lock-ins. And a couple of the teens came over and sat down and, and talked to me, even though I was an old guy. They uh, started talking to me and uh, made me feel like a real person. So I said, hey, maybe there's something to this. So uh, I started talking back and started hanging out with them. And and, uh, before you know it, too long, I'm working with them. And I became the youth leader in 2003. And then I got a nudge by God, or he kicked me really hard into, into ministry. And he's told me I needed to be a, a pastor in 2009, so I became the youth pastor. And then in uh, 2010, I became the full-time youth pastor. And then in 14, they made me the associate pastor. And I love, I love what I do. Yeah, I mean, uh, your enthusiasm. I, I think your ability, or, because we do, we do communion every, uh, every Sunday. And for those of you who don't go to church, communion is where uh, it's, it's a sacrament where there's uh, representations of the body and blood of, of Jesus Christ. And you take these uh, elements and um, you, you commune with, with God. That's what Christians uh, call communion. And, mm-hmm. you know, Catholics have a different view on it. They believe there's tra- transfiguration where the, the body and blood of Christ, you're actually partaking in those elements, which is very literal. Um, but either way, uh, the way that it's done at FCC Beaches, you just... I think I think for me, uh, 
it was almost as if I was at the Last Supper. It was, you know, and and Pastor Chris is uh, uh, the voice of, it's seemingly the voice of the Lord when you hear it. Uh, it's amazing. So I encourage anyone that if you're in town in Jacksonville, uh, go to First Christian Church of the Beaches, the 11 o'clock service. Uh, go to Metro Diner first and then go and, uh, you know, partake in the communion there. It's amazing experience. Uh, but uh, so you own a motorcycle? I do own a motorcycle. What I have kind? a, a, a 2010 Harley um, Sportster 48. It's a, uh, I know it's a Sportster, but it's uh, still got a lot of torque and uh, it will run with the big dogs. And a former Navy man? Former Navy man, yes. I was a, uh, a flight deck director on the Forstall and the Kennedy. And uh, I spent a lot of time uh, pushing airplanes around. And you still have your hearing? I do. I can hear a little bit. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine being out on a deck and those engines screaming. It's quite an exciting job. Oh, I'm sure. It is. And been all over the world. All over the world. Yes. Uh, the Navy is good about that. Uh, they don't tell you when you sign up that the world is covered with two thirds of water. And uh, I've seen probably a third of that. So uh, it's been interesting. I've been to the Indian Ocean and the Arctic Circle and, and uh, it's very cold there. So were you, were you in during the Persian Gulf War when, when uh, was that in the 90s? Or? Yes, I got recalled in my first year of reserves to <laughs> uh, Desert Storm. I did three years active, and then my first year I got recalled uh, to the Gulf War. And was, that, was your carrier the one that George Bush flew onto and said mission accomplished? Oh, no, that was the next war. Yeah, that was the next war. That, that was uh, w. Yeah. Um, we had Papa Bush come on uh, when I was in the Mediterranean in my last cruise in 89. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I, I saw Papa Bush or George H.W. Bush speak at the uh, Air Force Academy graduation in 82, 81, mm -hmm. um, when I was a boy. And uh, it, it was quite a sight to see uh, graduation at the Academy. Amazing. Uh, I've always had a special heart for people who serve. I was an Air Force Academy, ROTC, or not an Air Academy, ROTC cadet at University of Delaware, DET 128. Oh, wow. And I was really wanted to be a pilot. But my height uh, didn't qualify me for anything other than a cargo. Mm. Uh, and uh, so uh, they offered me special operations, and uh, which is, you know, like their special forces group. Right. And at the time, I'm like, you know, I think if I'm going to do special forces, I'll probably join the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I never heard of the Air Force Special Forces. You know, I'm sure they have them. I'm sure they do a lot of stuff around airplanes and demolitions, things like that. But um, anyway, uh, enough about me. Let's talk more about you. So here you are, um, Southern man, growing up in the South. Not a lot of lacrosse growing up in the South at the time. Now lacrosse is like the booming sport. Tell me about your experience uh, getting to know lacrosse from our perspective i am trying to learn lacrosse uh slowly i watch these incredible ladies running around on the field and uh smoking everybody that they uh that they get their hands on and uh, it's been a uh, it's been a great journey watching this team this year and maybe one day I will actually learn what's going on out there on the field other than they can outrun everybody and outshoot everybody. So 
Um, I look forward to uh, knowing the rules here soon, as well as everybody's names. <laughs> yeah, that's a big challenge for me too. That's why they have numbers. You can say, hey, yeah, you, 26 over here. Yeah, you have numbers that go along with the names, so that's helpful for me since I yeah. can remember numbers better than names. So. I grew up in Philadelphia, and Buddy Ryan was the head football coach for a number of years. He had the best defense ever uh, that didn't win a Super Bowl. And he used to call people by their numbers. Hey, 98, you got to be doing this, that, the other thing. Hey, 27, you're not going to make this roster behaving <laughs> like that. You know, he used to have his old Kentucky draw. Uh, but, yeah, it was so funny. Um, so uh, what what do you – what qualities does it take to be a lacrosse player when you watch them, you know, play? Like what what are some qualities that you see in in a good Division One women's lacrosse player? Ooh, um uh, not knowing much about Division One women's lacrosse or lacrosse in general, but I see that there is a uh, a love for each other and teamwork uh, that goes into it. So I would say you know teamwork is number one, and uh, they are in great shape and they can uh, they can smoke everybody on the field. Yeah, and we we you know sometimes you play teams that are in really great shape too and that's really a fun experience uh to see those teams go back and forth yeah i love to see you run and gun yeah it's uh it's different right like you know it's not like you get the ball and stand there right it's, you know yeah uh we always want to be a threat and in order to be a threat you've got to be in the right fitness to be a threat or else you just won't stand there so, but there's no standing around. So there's substitutes and, that'll go in there and do the job. And what amazes me is that you said you don't do any conditioning. You just play. Yeah, our practices are conditioning. So That's amazing. Yeah, our practices make the games picnics. And I think that's something that, you know, we, we can use technology now. We put uh, pedometers on our athletes so we can track how many miles they go. Nice. And when your midfielders are going six to eight miles out of practice – and they're going at full speed. You know, they're basically running a, a quarter marathon every single practice. Well, you can't do that all season long. So that's why the games are more of a picnic. And the games, maybe they'll do three or four miles. And they'll do that spread out over a two-hour span. So our midfielders look forward to the games. Uh, and, and there's something to that. Uh, but at the same time, you can't overtrain. So we cut the mileage back as the season goes on because – you got to tax their legs early, and then you've got to relax their legs later uh, because you'll get injuries otherwise. Uh, typically, our injuries take place at the beginning of the season. Mm. So if you don't come into training camp really ready to go uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, that's where our injuries take place. You don't see a lot of injuries during the season. This year was strange because we had, we had a, a, a span of four years where we didn't have a single knee injury. And then this year, we had four ACL tears in one year. And you're like, what in the world is happening? Uh, and we, and there's no, there is no epidemiology that explains it. Nothing explains the lack or productive uh, knee injuries. The strength coach is the same person back when we had no injuries. So you can't blame a strength program. You can't blame diet. You can't blame. It's just weird. Uh, and so those happen prior to the season. Um, we lost our starting goalie. Well, first of all, we lost our best returning attacker in the fall. So she didn't even make the team mm. that's led the NCAA in scoring. So we did it without our 
the kind of the keystone player that we thought was coming back. And everybody thought she was going to be the one that would lead the offense. And so she gets injured in, in October and we don't have her. Uh, we lost a really talented freshman um, soon after that. Uh, just a, you know, just went down. Uh, and then early on in the season, uh, we lost our starting goalkeeper who as a freshman was amazing. And we thought she would be our big goalie. And we lost a starting defender. So we lose three starters and we lose a key freshman who was going to develop into an outstanding player on our attack unit before we really play a game. That's tough. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? And then our, our top defender, uh, our goalie, both break their hands, our second string goalie. So we're playing with our preseason defensive player of the year with a club. So she basically couldn't clear the ball because she had one hand. Now, she did a, a good job, but she, she probably could have had 25 cause turnovers, 30 ground balls. She, she would have been the defensive player of the year. If, but to me, like that's a player that should get some kind of unsung hero award. You know, your senior defender captain who plays with a cast on her hand all season. Exactly. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Who plays one hand of lacrosse? <laughs> so, well, Erica Beal did. Uh, and then Parker Day, one of our rotating uh, attack players, she broke her hand and she couldn't come back. So six or seven games into the season, just past that redshirt limitation, she breaks her hand. So mm. two broken, three broken hands, three, four ACLs, major injuries, two of those broken hands play. Uh, play through a miss a combined three games between them. Wow! Uh, and so when people talk about oh injuries can ruin a season, they can. When people talk about oh we're young we're gonna it's gonna be a struggle. Yeah, that can be a struggle. We were both. We started thirteen or played heavily thirteen freshmen and sophomores. We had four ACLs and three broken hands, and we won seventeen games. We shouldn't have, but because we substitute a lot and everybody at practice really practices, we don't have like a reserve squad that sits the bench or something. Everybody's playing, everyone's developing, uh, and that helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, really amazing season for us. Um, and you got to witness the whole thing. I did, and well, I got to watch you smack down Liberty twice. Oh, and interestingly enough, so you were sleeping with the enemy this year. I graduated from Liberty University this year, and uh, um, but and, you, I, and you walked. You I got did to walk. go up there, go to Lynchburg. I did go to Lynchburg and walk. Beautiful yes. place, beautiful, beautiful place, campus. beautiful campus. Unlimited resources at Liberty. Unlimited resources at Liberty. Yep. They Amen. Are a, <laughs> Amen. They are a great. Uh, they are a great school. Um, however, they got smacked down by uh, Ju well, uh, a couple of good times this year. Well, and, I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if you can really say smackdown. I I would say the first game we played and we definitely caught them by surprise. Mm. I I don't think they were expecting what happened in the championship game. I think they caught us by surprise when you go into halftime with like an eight goal lead and you score fourteen goals in the first half. Uh, you're your team has to come back out and represent. And what happened was they, their team came out and was like, hey, this is our last game. We better come out with some fire. And true to their name, they came out and um, 
you know, they gave it to us pretty darn good. Uh, and so at the end of the game, it was kind of like, who's what's going to happen? Who's going to be the last team standing? And the ironic part was our freshmen made plays and some of our new players, like Haley Sicklin, who was a fifth year, she made a great play. Uh, but we, we had players that had to make plays to win that game or else it seemed like the pendulum was starting to swing. So I think, you know, be a SmackDown, maybe the first game, um, but I think it was more of an overwhelming type feel uh, that we had that game. And then that conference final game, I think it was a, more of a true nature of the team Liberty is, which is, you know, they're going to try to force turnovers and disrupt you. And uh, I think that they did an excellent job there uh, of that. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like we, we discounted them coming into the second half. Hmm. You know, we didn't discount them at the beginning of the game, but coming in the second half, I mean, first game we played, I think we scored like 17 goals in the first half and it was like 17 to two. And that was against um, Kennesaw State. And Liberty was, you know, more talented overall than Kennesaw. And they were, they were more feisty. And, you know, this is a team that only lost to Notre Dame by three or four goals. They were in a tight game with Notre Dame, who's ranked in the top ten. So uh, this is a team that lost by one goal to Richmond, a team in the top 20. So, and they lost twice to us. So Liberty is a team that, in our conference, there were three strong teams. Uh, JU, Liberty, and Coastal Carolina. Um, and I think uh, Kennesaw State was could be strong at times. But uh, other times, they struggled in key games, uh, especially against us. Uh, could be a mental block there. But, yeah, Liberty uh, ends up in the top 30 in the um, – computer poll, and uh, Coastal Carolina, they, they suffered injuries like we did in the middle of their season or late middle. They lost two of their top players to injury, one to a knee injury, one to a hamstring. So uh, I think they would have been more formidable at the end had they not had the key injuries they had. They may not have as much depth as our program has, mm -hmm. but their frontline players are strong and they have a good team culture and uh, they're, they're a well-managed team as well. So there's those three teams there. But So uh, Liberty, you know, is a team that in the Atlantic Sun Conference, uh, they have a lot of resources, you know, and, and uh, they're, they have a big budget and they can do a lot of things there. So we think uh, Liberty is going to be a, a challenging opponent uh, for many years. And, uh, and that's good. You know, you can only – I think our league next year is going to be a league that should draw two – NCAA bids, not one. Uh, I think it's it's a league on the rise. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think there's a bias against Southern teams and against some smaller leagues, uh, or they would be called smaller leagues. But uh, uh, that bias needs to go away. People need to really look at the teams uh, individually and not just assume what conference they're in uh, is going to make them good or bad. So, um, so tell me a little bit more about... I would like to know what was your favorite episode? What was your favorite um, episode to do? Like, did you have any scene or anything that you did that you liked more than another? I don't know. I kind of like this last one. I always enjoy watching 
the ladies as they're uh, having fun off the field. And I look forward to seeing all the slingshot video <laughs> and uh, listening to the uh, all the bleeps that that we're going to hear. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bleeps on those slingshot videos. Uh, so much fun, though. Here we are at Myrtle Beach. It's championship weekend, and uh, a few of the girls wanted to do it, so they did it, and then everybody else got in line. And Our whole team did slingshots, and uh, you're, it's where you get bungee corded in this little pod up into the sky about 300 feet. And... Um, Petey, number 36, she got me to do it. She didn't want to do it. She was terrified. She'd only go if I went. Or that, that's, that's what they told me. So um, <laughs> I assumed they were right. So I, I got in with Petey. And ours was the only one that the pod, when it got to the top, flipped and faced the bottom. So for the remainder of this ride, I'm like being pressed out against the bar, holding on to the bar because the gravity is taking me down. And then as we're going up, I'm still facing the ground. That's like everybody else got the face of sky. They're having a good time. I'm facing the ground, you know, looking at my humanity. Yes. Uh, staring yeah. mortality in the face. Yes. Staring mortality in the face. So, um, well, uh, thank you so much for being the voice of the team this year. And we hope that uh, next year when we reintroduce the series, uh, that you'll come back and have, have that insider perspective. Um, but uh, and thank you for being the voice. I have enjoyed it very much, uh, very immensely. And it is it has been uh, my honor and privilege to work with such a, a great organization such as as yours. And these ladies are fantastic. They're actually nice to me, so that's that's awesome. <laughs> uh, being an old guy, having uh, young people nice to you is really uh, it's a really cool thing. So. I really do appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to to future episodes. All right. Thanks, PC. Thank you, appreciate sir. Appreciate you. Thank you, CP.